0: Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Steve, and I have the privilege of serving as the lead pastor of Shelby Road Baptist Church, and I'm so glad that you have tuned in to this morning's Easter Sunday broadcast. There's a customary greeting that Christians around the world share on Easter Sunday, and it's this. One person says, He is risen, and the rest say, He is risen indeed. So we're going to do it here together. Uh, just give it a try. I know that's kind of weird over uh, the broadcast, but do this with me. He is risen. All right, I'm just going to trust you participated in that. But now I'm going to invite you to greet one another. And we're going to do this in two ways. Either in the chat window here on the YouTube broadcast, you can greet people there, or you can do it over text. If you come to Shelby Road, and you normally sit with some people that are near you, shoot them a text, shoot a couple of texts to people who attend the church, who you know are watching today, And just say that, He is risen, and reply with, He is risen indeed. I'm going to give you about 60 seconds on the clock to do that. Ready, go. Well, I hope that you got the chance to greet one another the way that Christians around the world greet each other on Easter Sunday. We're just usually doing this in person. And this time we have to do it a bit differently because of the situation that we're in. This is an unforgettable Easter Sunday. You will not forget this Easter Sunday for the rest of your life. You'll tell stories about this Easter Sunday for the rest of your life. I know that I will. All week long, I was racking my brain and my heart trying to think of how we create a meaningful Easter Sunday experience in the situation that we're in this year. And to be quite frank with you, it felt impossible to me to do. And that just shows you that I've got a tendency that you also have, we all have this, is to resize God and to shrink him down to be about the size of the problem that we're facing. Sometimes, depending on the problem itself, it The problem feels bigger and closer than our God feels. This happens to us a lot, and we end up with something in our lives that feels totally impossible, totally immovable. And it's important for us to know this truth this morning. Don't miss this. If God can raise Jesus, he can do anything. You've already heard this from some of our families today, but I want to make sure that this gets into your heart today the way that it needs to. If God can raise Jesus, he can do anything. We've got to hang on to this truth today because no doubt there's something in your life right now that you're facing that feels completely impossible. It feels immovable. And because of this, this problem that's there, that is looming larger than your God sometimes in your mind and your heart. Because of this, you feel exhausted, you feel anxious, filled with fear, filled with uncertainty on this Easter Sunday morning. But there is hope available for us this Easter Sunday morning, 2020, right now where we are And this hope is found in the Easter story that we open up in Mark chapter 16. So I'm gonna invite you to turn to Mark 16 with me. In this story, we are in Sunday morning after the Friday that Jesus was crucified. And we meet three women who are on their way to the tomb in order to anoint the body of Jesus, which is something that you would do for someone that you loved, uh, bringing oils and spices there. Um, to anoint the body normally they would do this not long after somebody passed away but because Jesus died on a Friday Saturday was the Sabbath and so they weren't allowed to do this kind of work then so they had to do it on Sunday morning and they're on their way to do it and on their way they encounter an impossible obstacle and that is where we enter the story let's go mark chapter 16 verse 1 when the Sabbath was over Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus body. very early on the first day of the week. Just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb. Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? Uh, We're not talking about a stone that was two or three hundred pounds. We're talking about a stone that was probably several hundred pounds, seven, eight hundred pounds. These three women are not moving the stone. It is impossible for them to do. Even if it was three guys, it would be impossible for them to do. You would need a bunch of people in order to even budge this thing and move it forward. And so they make a note of it. Who's going to roll the stone away? This is the problem that they are facing as they are on their way to the tomb. But They're about to get a big surprise and we see it as we read on in verse four. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they, entered the, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. We know that that fear only lasted a little while. Eventually, they did go and tell the disciples what they had seen. But what a shocking surprise. They go there and they think that the biggest problem that they have is that they can't move this giant stone. And yet, in the light of the resurrection against the backdrop of this incredible thing that God did, that problem is easily done away with. So here's my question for you today. What's your stone? You've got one. I've got one. Maybe you've got multiple of them, big, huge problems in your life that feel immovable, seem impossible to solve and are just sitting there in the middle of your life. What is it for you? I think for you, it could be that you're looking for reconciliation in a relationship that you have not been able to figure out how to pull off. Somebody that you were once close with that you are no longer close with, and you can barely even get them to talk to you, let alone have a restored relationship, and it feels like an impossible problem to solve. Maybe for you, it's your marriage. Maybe your marriage today is in, uh, is in a state that you can't fix. At least you can't see how to repair it, and you think, man, if we could only get back to what we once were, but I have no idea how to make that happen. It feels like an impossible problem to solve. Maybe for you, it's an addiction. You have been looking and longing for freedom from an addiction for a long time. Could be a lot of different things. Could be a substance. Could be pornography. Whatever it is, you find yourself consistently falling back into that pit on a regular basis and everything you try to solve that problem fails and it feels like an impossible thing to move out of your life. Maybe for you, it's a financial situation. You have been looking for financial freedom for a long time, but there is a mountain of debt in your life and it casts a looming shadow over everything else. And you are sitting there in the middle of your living room, looking at your financial situation and thinking, this feels impossible. I don't know how this problem gets solved. Maybe for you, it's a physical situation. And you need healing. And you're looking at this and saying, man, I don't know how this gets better. I don't know if it can. Maybe for you, it's the fact that you are Christian and you've got members of your family that don't yet follow Jesus. And some of them, maybe it's a father, maybe it's a child, maybe it's a brother, sister, that they have a hard heart. And you think to yourself, man, no matter how much I pray, I have no idea how God can melt the hard heart of my family member. This feels utterly impossible. I don't know what your stone is today, but I know that you've got one. There's a several hundred pound stone sitting in the middle of your life and you have no idea what to do with it. And because we tend to resize God, the problem that you are currently facing feels bigger and closer than God is. But there's a phrase in this story that we need to start changing our minds with, and it's this, it's in verse four. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. But when they looked up, I think that's crucial that that is included in the story because a spiritual shift in our lives so frequently begins with a perspective shift. We need to look up. Your problem feels impossible because it's all you can see. Your problem feels impossible because it's the only thing you're looking at. And so your God feels small in comparison because your focus has been on the impossible scenario in front of you. You need to look up. You need to look up. And when you do, you're going to see what the three women saw there, an empty tomb, (laughs) an empty tomb. When you look up, you will see your God for who he really is and what he has actually accomplished because the tomb was empty. And because the tomb was empty, we know that God can do anything. This was the ultimate impossible thing that God pulled off. Bringing somebody back from the dead, overcoming death and achieving resurrection in Jesus, the first fruits of all creation, to give us that to look forward to, that was the impossible thing. See, whatever problem that we think we're facing and feels like the biggest problem in our life is not actually the biggest problem in our lives. The biggest problem in our life is that we have sinned, rebelled against God, and now death is coming for us. It's just a reality, and no one can solve that problem but God, and he did. And we know that he did because the tomb is empty. Easter Sunday shows us that he raised Jesus so he can do anything. That stone that's there is easily rolled away against the backdrop of the resurrection because he already solved your biggest unsolvable problem. We know that death looms large today. In fact, we might know this today more than any other time that death looms large. In fact, our church has already been touched by this very recently in this pandemic. One of our longtime members and longtime staff members named Vern became sick with the coronavirus and passed away earlier this week. And we can lose hope at that reality or we can look up and we can realize this truth that God already achieved the impossible for Vern. You see, there are stories about Vern a long time ago before he became a follower of Jesus, before he gave his life to Jesus, he was a different man. He was not a happy man and when he gave his life to Christ when Jesus pulled off the impossible for him and saved him it changed everything he melted that heart of stone and now today when the shadow of death came for him it lost its sting it only resulted in in a glorious new beginning and in presence with Christ. This is what God has accomplished for him and he's accomplished it for you and for me. He's already solved this problem. And if that's the case, there is no stone that he can't roll away. There is no other problem that he cannot solve. He is a way maker who makes a way when there is no way. When there is no solution, he makes a solution. And we know this about him because the tomb is empty. If we know this, it should change everything. It should change everything. But sometimes it just doesn't because we resize God and we still look at the problem that we're facing and we see it to be about the size of our God. Well, let's make God larger than the problems that we face this morning in the light of the resurrection. Jesus is alive and because he's alive, it should change how we think and it should change how we act. So I've got a few things here. Uh, four things actually, that I want to give to you. You should write these down, make a note of them. Things that should be different for us because God has done the impossible, because he's a waymaker, because Jesus is alive. So here's the first one. Jesus is alive, so we should pray impossible prayers. Jesus is alive, so we should pray impossible prayers. Your prayer life is the best gauge for the kind of God you actually believe you have. If you want to know the kind of God you actually believe that you have, look at your prayer life. It will tell you. Do you pray impossible prayers? Or do you pray prayers that are about the same size as the problems that you're facing? Or do you ask God to achieve far and above what you could ever ask or imagine? Do you have some prayers on your prayer list that are utterly ridiculous? If somebody else looked at them, they'd be like, man, that is crazy that you're praying that prayer. You should. Is your God small or is your God the God of Jeremiah 32, 27. In Jeremiah 32, 27, God says, I am the Lord. Is there anything too hard for me? The answer to that is no. And if that is your God, then you will pray impossible prayers. That's the first one. Here's the second thing that should be different. Jesus is alive. So we should recognize impossible miracles when they happen. And here's what I mean. My life and your life is full of more miracles than we think are there. You might think, well, I don't know that God's ever done anything impossible for me. Yes, he has. And the more that you recognize them, the more that you are going to increase the size of your God over the size of any problems that you face. Let me prove this to you. Did you wake up this morning with breath? The breath of God in your lungs? If you did... Then that is a miracle. God has acted in your life and He has done something impossible that you couldn't do for yourself. Do you have food on your plate today? Do you have a home that you can shelter in place in and stay safe in? Do you have these things? Do you have medicine that you can take when you get a headache? All of these things, they are movements of God in your life and we see them as everyday things. But what if we started to recognize the miracles of everyday life? A long time ago in the 1800s, when a child would be diagnosed with diabetes type 1 it was a death sentence and yet all through that time in history there were scientists and doctors working on research and eventually they developed what was considered to be at the time a miracle drug called insulin they would have wards full of kids who were fallen into comas and were dying because of this and when they created insulin they brought it into these wards and started injecting these kids with it and within minutes they started waking up from their comas it was can you imagine seeing that it was a miracle and nowadays it's just a drug that we have that's available for people don't miss the miracle in the mundane recognize God's impossible work in your life And you will start to see him larger than the problems that you face. So that's the second thing. We should recognize the miracles in everyday life as they happen. Here's number three. Jesus is alive, so we should tell impossible stories. Look at what they say here. This angel that's in the tomb tells them, Go and tell the disciples. Go tell the story of what you have just seen, this impossible thing that God has done. But so often fear stops us from telling those stories. We should tell them, proclaim them publicly. You know that God has achieved impossible things for you. Maybe there's a stone in your life that he has rolled away. Maybe you're just telling people about the stone that he rolled away and the way that he made for you to be saved. Whatever it is, Tell the impossible story. Don't keep it to yourself. We increase God's glory this way, and you never know how your impossible story might work to unlock somebody else's faith. It might actually happen that way. Jesus is alive, so we should tell impossible stories. Here's the last one. Jesus is alive, so we should follow him to impossible places. Look here at the end, when the angel says, go tell the disciples and Peter, Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. To go into this place at this time with the cultural climate was a risk for the women and the disciples. It just was to be associated with Jesus at this time. But he says that he's going ahead of you. Jesus never calls you somewhere that he isn't already present in. He's already there. And so my question to you today is where has he called you? Has he called you to serve in church in a particular way? Has he called you to walk across the street and get to know your neighbor and befriend them so that you might tell them about the hope that you have? Is this what he's calling you to do? Has he called you to a seemingly impossible place that's outside of your comfort zone and you have not yet followed him there? Jesus is alive. So we should follow into impossible places. I think right now of all of our healthcare workers who are on the front lines of this pandemic and are daily walking into impossible places, placing themselves at risk and following Jesus there because that is where Jesus is. He's on the front lines always calling us out of our comfort zones in life. Where is he calling you to? Where is he calling you to follow him into an impossible place so that he can do do an impossible work? We should be praying impossible prayers. We should be recognizing God's impossible miracles. We should be telling impossible stories and we should follow Him to impossible places because He's alive and He's already accomplished the impossible for you and for me. Let's praise our Waymaker this morning.